As, as Craig said, I'm Matt Brocker. I used to be a pastor on staff here, and those were good times. Uh, we're, we're enjoying some good times in Columbus. It's, it's been good. I'll, I'll try to give a very brief review, but uh, we got to come in yesterday, hang out with the, the Bick family. They're always too good to us, so we appreciated that. But uh, we were coming in, and we weren't going straight to their house, so after you drive two hours, you got to do what? you got to stop at the restroom, right? This is a great intro, but stopped at the restroom. We hit a gas station, and in the gas station, we all go back, and, and on the men's restroom, it says, no beer in the restroom. <laughs> and I thought to myself, do you have to say that? <laughs> and then I thought to myself, man, it's good to be back. <laughs> I missed y'all, T County. I love it here, right? Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's great to be back. Um, I'm excited to be here, to, to have the opportunity. I'm, I'm honored, humbled that Troy would ask me uh, to do this, to, to fill in. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to be here. Just a quick update uh, for anyone wanting to know. Uh, somehow, in this gap of time, we now have a senior in high school. What in the world? Elena is, is a senior, and she's... Uh, taking classes full-time at Columbus State, so she doesn't even go to the, the thing that used to be, you know, high school, whatever that is anymore. She's, she's moving on. Uh, Lila is a sophomore at Centennial High and, and pretty much runs the place, I think. Um, she's, she's doing very well. And then Weston, my dude, is in here with us because he's a middle schooler now. So, yeah, good job Weston getting older, right? He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's growing, right, and, and, and being a good little brother. So he does a good job. So uh, we're, we're, we're so pleased with all that the Lord has been doing in our family and at the church. Uh, as Craig mentioned, we, we just rolled out MTT. We have 19 people signed up and, and taking MTT. So I'm thrilled about that. Uh, we just did a series on measuring our growth, and we had 11 people sign up to be discipled. And so, you know, we... We're not a big church, 11 doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a, it's a pretty big percentage down where we are, so we're pretty excited about that. And with that, what that means is there's a lot of people busy growing and busy ministering and busy uh, at the work of the Lord, so we're really excited about that, and I just would ask that you would continue praying. I'm thankful for all of those that, that do pray consistently for us. Uh, we need it. It's busy. Uh, pray for me today that my voice lasts beyond this because I'm going back home and preaching tonight. So like I need, I need to like pray for Jenny because I probably won't talk much on the drive back and you know, that might not be fun. But uh, anyways, uh, we're, we're blessed. God's doing a lot. He's, he's growing the church and uh, you know, we're, we're really excited just to, to be used. It, it is a privilege. Um, go ahead and, and turn to Acts chapter 7 as we're getting warmed up here. Uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning is part of the, the Measuring Growth series that we just did, and uh, this is one of the, the, the messages that I did in that series. And we spent some time looking at the picture that Israel is coming out of bondage and, and going into the wilderness. And, and you guys are a smart church, you're a well-educated and trained church, you understand that, that Israel pictures the individual believer, so as they came out of bondage, it's very much like us coming out of the bondage of our sin. And they entered into the wilderness, and God used the wilderness for the purpose of growing that nation. Right? He, he used that wilderness for the purpose of allowing them time to put off the old man, 
the first generation, right? And to put on the new man and follow Joshua, who, who pictures Christ, into the promised land. But in the meantime, 40 years in the wilderness was what God used to exercise their temperance and their patience, right? And, and their ability to wait on God and follow him according to his, his law and his direction. Uh, over in Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen break Moses' life down into three segments of 40 years. You guys, I know you guys were just in this passage. I'm not going to re-preach what, what Troy preached unless you need me to and you didn't pay attention. You're like, I think that's recorded. You can go back. We're going to look at a few other details. We're not going to get into to very deep doctrine. This is pretty much surface level things, but if, if we can apply these things on a daily basis, then, then you'll get to do things like Moses got to do, the big things, the big steps of faith. And so we're going to look at the first two segments of 40 years before Moses went in with Israel to, to have them learn and grow through what they learned and grow, grew through. Uh, so let's go ahead. We'll go to Acts chapter 7. We're going to read from t- verse 22 to 36 and then we'll, we'll break this down. And again, we're not going to get into the, the deep weeds here, or the details, but uh, we're going to see some things that I, I think are very important uh, for us in our walk with the Lord. Acts 7, verse 22 starts and says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Median, where he begat two sons. And then, or, and when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning. And I'm come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt, this Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll, we'll jump into the notes. Father, thank you. Uh, for, for allowing me this opportunity to, to come back, to see everyone, to be loved on, uh, to have the opportunity to put your word forth. And Lord, we pray that, that in all of this, your name, your word, it's magnified. You've, you have magnified your word above your name, 
And we are to exalt you. And we do it through this book and, and by humbling ourselves behind and under in obedience to what it says. Lord, I pray that first and foremost, that would be our priority, that, that you would receive glory by how we respond to what you say. We love you. We're thankful uh, for your word. We're thankful that you speak to us. We're thankful that you have a plan for us to grow and to include others. And we just pray that you'd help us to, to be faithful to that plan. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so... As we, we get started here, the first thing we're going to look at is the first 40 years of Moses' life, and point one is 40 years in the world gave Moses the illusion of power. 40 years in the world gave Moses the illusion of power. And we saw this in verses 22 and 23. It says, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. I want you to remember that statement as we go through. We're going to come back to that several times. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So the the first thing that we see here, this illusion of power manifests itself in letter A, when Moses took matters into his own hands. Right? We we see the evidence that, that he believes he has power he doesn't have when he takes matters into his own hands to try to, to set his people free. We see, saw that in verses 24 and 25. It says, seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote or killed the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God, check this little phrase out, by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. This is a fascinating passage because we don't get this information from the Exodus story. We don't realize that Moses had some understanding of his role to eventually bring them out. And Moses tries to step into this role in his own power, in his own ability, in the wisdom and the understanding and the strength provided to him by 40 years in the world. 40 years in the education system of Egypt. He thought they would just know that God was going to use him and his hands. Well, this is the struggle that, that Paul calls out to us as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, uh, verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. So here's Moses, believing he is mighty in words and deeds, ready to go deliver his people. And, and God says, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. It's never how it works, right? Verse 28, it goes on, it says, The base things of the world, the things that are despised, hath God chosen, yea, the things that are not, to bring to naught, or nothing, things that are, verse 29, and here's the reason, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So you you can have all the education, you can have all the experience, you can have all the ability, but you and I, in our power, in our hands, have no ability to make lasting change. We can change for a little bit, but these hands get tired. My ability only gets me so far. I'm I'm regularly tired in Columbus. There's a lot going on. And, And if it was up to me, we'd have crashed and burned a long time ago. But God's the one doing the work, and we'll, we'll see some of that as we keep going here. Second Corinthians chapter 10 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
They're not fleshly. They're not us. One key reason is that no flesh should glory in his presence. Right? It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, not, not, not us, we're not mighty, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The next thing that we see in his letter B, Moses assumed he could bring peace with his own words. He, he thought he was going to be able to remove them from their bondage with his own hands, and he thought he was going to be able to bring peace with his own words. We know this because of what happened in verses 26 to 28. The next day he showed himself unto them as they strove. They were fighting. The the Israelites were fighting each other and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, your brethren, why do you wrong to one another or one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? So what was it that Moses was mighty in? Words and deeds, and he shows up with his words, and they turn on him. Instead of, you know, these, these idiots, don't they know that I'm the guy? Like, he probably thought, if I just show up because I'm mighty, and, and I'm mighty in words and deeds, and I'm, I'm well-educated Egyptian and an Israelite, they're just going to know. Nope, they didn't know. And he shows up, and he speaks, and, and they turn on him, because there's no power in our hands, and there's Zero power in our words to convince people to follow the Lord in and of ourselves. We require his strength. 1 Corinthians 2.6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, come to nothing. Isaiah 29 verse 14 says, Therefore behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. Even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Have you ever, I don't watch a whole lot of news, but when you watch the news, it seems like the most intelligent, or or at least the people that everybody points to as the most intelligent, and the most powerful, and the most influential, all of those people seem to know we have a limited time on this earth. Not, not just in our, our short lifespan. They're looking at this whole thing's gonna come crashing down if they don't rescue us from us. Right, there's, there's starvation, right, all over the world. There's climate change. And if, I've noticed this, it's climate shock now because y'all haven't been reacting to climate change. So now you ought to be shocked by what's going on, right? So. Now that you're shocked, let's do something about it. Let's put these guys in charge. They're really smart. They know what they're doing. Right? There's wars all over the place. We need to save us from us. They understand what we understand. There's a limited time. The problem is, the, wise, the wisest and the wisdom of this world is going to come to what? To nothing. It, it's, it's not going to work because they're not going through the Lord where the real power is. According to Isaiah, the end of their results is going to be that it perishes. They don't have the answer. So Moses, he was mighty in words and deeds. You remember what Moses said to God when, when he was informed of God's plan to use him to deliver the Israelites? What did he say? Well, I'm mighty in words and deeds. Yeah, you picked the right guy. No, he didn't say that. He, he didn't. 
Because 40 years in the wilderness gave Moses a little bit of a different perspective. But check it out in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore since, uh, since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And so at first glance, this, this looks like, okay, 40 years in the wilderness has gotten Moses a good attitude adjustment. Right? He thought he was the man, and now he's like, okay, I was really wrong about that. But the problem is Moses, he swung the, the pendulum to the extreme opposite. He, he didn't really have a balanced view of this thing. He's, he's a little bit extreme, and, and we see that in verse 13. It says, and he said, oh my Lord, Send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. It sounds like a very humble response, but God's response doesn't match that of a response of a humble man. Check out verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Okay, so it sounds like a really good thing, but if you read the story further, we know that Aaron, he brings a few problems along with him. He brings some problems for Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses because Moses wasn't saying, hey, I'm good enough. He was saying, I'm, not, I'm so not good enough that even you, God, who created my mouth and created my ears and created all of me, even if you're with me, I can't do it. You see, when... When we're prideful and arrogant and it's on the surface, it's easy to see. But when we're lowly and humble and just absolutely no good, as we feel sorry for ourselves, all we did was flip that coin over. It's still pride. It's still the same thing. And God says, no, that's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I'm hearing. And so God adjusts him and he gives, he gives him Aaron to, to kind of be a, a a difficulty as he goes, and, and he used him. Now, how many of you were, were in here for the, the 9 a.m. training hour with Tom? Just You heard Tom talk about choose your own adventure. You guys ever read those choose your own adventure books? My son has been bringing home from the library, choose your own adventure, Oregon Trail. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Oregon Trail? I was alive when computers first showed up at school, and when they first showed up at school, the only game they had on those things I don't know what you use a computer for if it's not games. The only game they had on those things was Oregon Trail. And you just adventure and it's just like script. It tells you, oh, this happened and this happened and you get to you know, make decisions or whatever. So Weston, he's got these choose your own adventure books and it's Oregon Trail and, and you're reading through and, and page 44 says, you know, do you wanna to go to the north or do you wanna to continue to the west? And you're like, ooh, I've got a decision to make. And it says, if you're gonna go north, turn to page 100. If you're gonna go west, just turn, turn the page and continue reading the story. The problem is you don't know what's gonna happen. And so you turn to page 100 and everybody's freezing to death and you die of dysentery. <laughs> and it's like, oh. So then you go back and you change your decision, right? Not Weston, he reads his book, he's, he's done in like a half hour. I was like, well, that was, you're a really fast reader. He goes, yeah, I died. 
I'm like, don't you want to know how it's supposed to end? And you don't know. I'm just playing by the rules. Like, Got to respect that. I died. I'm done. I'm moving to the next one, right? Well, here's the point. What, what if the Bible was like that? Choose your own adventure. You go through and say, man, Moses really messed up when, when he said God couldn't do it. What if, what if we could go back and say, where's, where's the, what page do I go to where Moses does do it right? I want to hear how that story goes. Well, that doesn't end there, right? But here's how it works. God says, hey, Moses was prideful. Why don't you make a different decision? Moses, he responded to me in, in arrogance. It looked like humility, but it wasn't. Why don't you just learn from what Moses went through so that you don't have an Aaron in your life? It's spelled different, Rothel's. That doesn't apply in your house. It's a different Aaron. Can't use that, Steve. You don't want an Aaron in your life that, that God has to go through to teach you, to bring you along, to show you the things that you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to lead. You want to, re- you want to reply and interact with God yourself personally. You don't need a translator. God speaks directly to you and you share this with others. It is a choose-your-own-adventure, but you get to learn from those who made mistakes and those who did things right, and you get to choose whether or not you're going to do the same. So we may not be able to read ahead and go back for an alternate ending, but we absolutely can learn from the examples God's giving us. There's an interesting verse that, uh, in this story that I think will help us to transition to point two. It's Exodus chapter three, verse 19. It says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. This is God speaking. I am sure that the, the, the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, check this out. Not by a mighty hand. I'm going to send you in, Mo. I know you got a mighty hand, but it's not going to work. Not by a mighty hand, but check out verse 20. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. See, don't you understand, you need God's divine intervention if anything's going to change. You, you need God involved if anything's going to last. It's got to be his hand. And that only comes through this book. So sec- the second point is 40 years in the wilderness illuminated God's power. Because 40 years in the world, that, that just gave Moses the illusion that he had some power in and of himself. But 40 years in the wilderness, it illuminated God's power. So Moses flees to the wilderness where he spends those next 40 years of his life and God has a purpose for that wilderness in his life to prepare him for when he's going to take Israel there another 40 years later, right? We're going to skip verse 29. We'll come back to that to finish. But letter A, we're going to look at verses 30 to 33. Moses learned to listen. One thing Moses learned in the wilderness was, was to listen, it says, when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai the angel of the Lord in a flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses, check out his response, trembled and durst not behold. He was afraid to look at where that voice was coming from. He had a legitimate, humble response. Then said the Lord to him, put off thy shoes from from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. For for some reason, 
God waits 40 years to speak to Moses in this way. Maybe, maybe it's because he spent 40 years building his own ability and building his own wisdom and building his own might. And God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the next 40 years and we're going to take that down brick by brick. We're going to disassemble what you've built and I'm going to build something completely different. And, and what he builds, I believe, is, is similar to what Christ is talking about in Matthew 11. It says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. You see, those disciples, they, they were growing, but they continued to listen to him the way Moses listened to that bush. They feared, they trembled, they obeyed, they listened, they grew. They were listening as a small child listens to the father. Right? They're listening intent. What is he going to say? What is he going to tell me? My dad's the biggest guy I know. He's the strongest guy I know. I want to know what he has to say. There are some things in your faith as you continue to grow. There are some things in your faith you, you never, ever, ever want to graduate from. Virtue is the first thing you add to your faith but you never stop adding that. It's gonna keep coming back and keep coming back. Another thing is a childlike faith to trust the words spoken to us by God through his word. If you can grow yet never lose those important aspects of your relationship with the Lord, then you're gonna begin reacting in a way that the disciples did. You're gonna react in a way that a disciple should. Acts chapter four, verses 18 to 20. They called them and commanded them not to speak or speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. This is some persecution the, the disciples are experiencing. They're told not to do it anymore. Don't share that message anymore. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Are the things that they saw and heard their might and their words? No. No, we're going to repeat what Christ said, and we can't help but do that. That's, that's the only thing that has power. That's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that, that has the ability to make the lasting change that you need. So in, 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 in love and honor and respect for the Lord and, and in love for you, we have to keep saying it. We have to keep going back to the word. We have to keep speaking what he said. You see, Moses learned to listen. And he learned it in the wilderness. So that 40 years later, when God spoke, he was ready to hear. Let it be, Moses learned to let go. Moses learned to let go. Verse 34 of our passage says, I have seen, this is God speaking, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groaning and am come down to deliver them. Those are the same things Moses saw and heard 40 years prior. And, and he, remember when he took it into his own hands? God is now seeing and hearing and doing something about those same things. Verse 35, this Moses whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer, check this out, by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. We know who that angel is, right? That's, that's the Lord himself. That's a pre-incarnate 
appearance of Jesus Christ. It's the hand of God that's going to make the change. He brought them out after that and showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. See, Moses had to be willing to let go of the idea that his strength was what God was going to use. He had to come to the place, like we need to come to the place, to realize that you have to let go of the notion that God called you because you're so cool. You have to let go of the notion that God needs you because of your abilities and your wisdom and your strength and how you do things. That's just the guy I've been waiting for. You know what? I'm convinced that God called Moses not because of his strengths, but rather because of his weaknesses. The longer we're in Columbus and the more I mess up things and God cleans them up and keeps growing people regardless, I think, man, did you see that? God is so big, I think he called, down, called me down here because I'm so messed up and that's what those people needed. I thought I had something to offer all along. He just wanted me to go because he's the one that made my mouth and he's the one that has the words of power and, and it's if I just get in line and let go of what I think that I can do, man, he can do some real big things. Look what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What are you? Are you the source of power? No, you're just a container. You're a clay pot. You're, you're a container made of dirt and the power is inside of you. The power is not you, it's not me, it's inside of us. It's the spirit of God, right? We, we are a vessel for the spirit of God and we are strengthened when we activate the spirit in agreement with this book. We just submit to what he says and he gives us power to be changed. He gives us power to communicate a message that has power. This describes Paul perfectly. 2 Corinthians 10.10, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. Man, have you read what Paul wrote? We, We went through Romans this morning. Amazing, amazing depth of truth. But his bodily presence is weak. Paul kinda looks like a sissy. But have you read his letters? And his speech, contemptible. That guy, you know, he's stumbling all over himself. Well, there's no power in Paul himself. Those letters, though, man, those things, they almost read like they're from the Holy Ghost himself. They almost read like, that's scripture. God spoke through Paul. He wrote it down. He sent the letter, and all the power is in that. Man, it's almost like God was doing these things on purpose grabbing a hold of a guy that thought he was more powerful than he actually was, humbling him to the point to say, hey, Paul, you think you see everything. Let me just make you physically blind so that you can actually see what's going on. God miraculously saves Saul. He's changed to Paul, and now, now God can use him. Man, this sounds really familiar. Sounds like me. See, God was going to use Moses. He just didn't need Moses or his strength or his accomplishments, or his education. I think the failure of Moses was what God wanted. We see it again in Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 10. Paul's asking for the thorn in the flesh to be removed, and, and it says you know, God's going to provide his grace instead. My grace is sufficient. So Paul's response is, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, 
in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So he, he said, when I am weak. Paul's pretty impressive if you look at him. But, but when my strength fails, then I'm in position to, to manifest God's strength. When, when you cannot go any further, when, when you cannot provide grace to someone because you're just out of it, when, when it's not in you to forgive the wrongs that have been done against you, well, that's where you're supposed to recognize, oh, my strength doesn't get me all the way, does it? My wisdom doesn't get me all the way. I, I, I am sorely dependent upon the grace of God to come through here in this relationship. God's been waiting for you to get there all along. When are you going to run out of you so that you recognize you need him? Exodus chapter 7 Verse 4 says, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies, and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. This is the old preacher saying, you've got to let go and let God. Let him have his opportunity. Quit trying to control everything. Just, just lay it down at his feet and ask him to show you, what do I do next, Lord? What am I supposed to do? As far as Moses' hand going forward, I think this is really interesting. It's just a little side note. Look at what God gave Moses to help him out. You, you might call it a crutch. Anybody ever been accused as a Christian needing God as a crutch? Yes, we do. Right? That's an absolute truth. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 says, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A crutch, a rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Check this out. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. This eliminates Moses having the ability to put forth his hands and show his strength. He's got to hold on to something that takes credit from him being able to take that for himself. Exodus 4.17, thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. Israel's looking for signs. It's almost as if God intends for Moses to never ever be able to take that credit again. Right? The rod is a picture of the word of God. This is what does all the miraculous work. Not the hand holding it, not the container, we put the word in there with the spirit and that's where the power comes out. The rod is a picture of the word. It does all the miraculous work and we just get to hold it forth to do what? To prove who sent us. God did. The, the power's in the book. The power's in him. And he just, he places it inside of us so that we can take it to everybody else. And look what he calls it in verse 20 of Acts 4. Moses took the rod of God in his hand. It's God that needs to be the one in the front. We're just following. So we have to let go of our abilities and our strength to make things happen and to, to make sure that this book is the strength in our hands. Moses understood that in the wilderness. 
And then let's go back to verse 29. We'll finish up with this. All of this comes together as Moses is learning or learned to lead. You have to learn to listen. And you have to learn to let go if you're going to help anybody else do those things. If you're still operating in your pride, we don't want anybody following you yet. You need to learn some of those things. Moses learned to lead. Verse 29, then fled Moses at this saying when, when he was being pursued and was a stranger in the land of Madian or Midian in the Old Testament where he begat two sons. So what was Moses doing for 40 years in the wilderness? Well, the first thing he was doing was not being in Egypt. That's a good start. Egypt is a picture of the world, the, this world system, and, and we need to get out of that thing to, to start not thinking like the world thinks. Did you know if you do things the way the world does them, you'll get the same results the world is getting? But if you turn that around and you start doing things the way that God has told you to do things, you'll get, you'll get the results that God has promised. It's amazing. It's very simple. I need simple. Exodus chapter two, verse 15 says, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, this is why he fled, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. In John chapter four, we're not gonna go there, you might wanna jot it down. John chapter four, Jesus sits down by a well with a Samaritan woman, and he tells her all about living water. Not, not the physical water that she can get out of that well, but the living water that she can receive from him and from his word. This is what you need. You need, you need to be a by the well. Well, Moses, he found himself by a well. Ephesians 5 tells us we're to wash by the water of the word. We should plant ourselves by the well and draw from it every single day. So Moses is surviving in the wilderness, but he, he's got a source of water. Exodus chapter two, verse 20, a little bit further on, as, he, as he's at that well, he provides water for these ladies and, and they go home, tell their dad about it, and, and the, the dad says in verse 20 to his daughters, where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Moses was content, or, and Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses, Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son and called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So, so not only is he by a well, he's being provided bread. And Matthew chapter four, verse four says, we're not to live by bread alone, but by every word of this book, every word from God. So he's by a well and he's got bread. We've got two references that point us to what Moses was doing in the wilderness for 40 years to unlearn what he had been learning for 40, the first 40. He names his son Gershom. Strange name for strange boy, I guess. I don't know. He names his son Gershom because it says he's a stranger in the land. Hebrews 11 is a chapter in our Bible that, that chronicles people on a whole list that, that none of them saw the promises of God come to fruition in their lifetime. But they counted themselves as strangers waiting for the promise. Strangers, not because they're weird, but because they don't belong there. This is a temporary deal where we belong is with the Lord. We're looking forward to that because he promised it. It's gonna to come to fruition, it's gonna come, it's gonna happen, and we trust that it will. 
What they learned in their wilderness was how to have patience and wait on the Lord in faith that his promises are true. That's what Moses is learning in the wilderness. They've recognized themselves to be strangers in the land. Their faith was tried. They were found patient. And this is what we see with Moses. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. See, in the wilderness, Moses became a husband. He became a father and a shepherd, as we see here, who was a stranger dwelling near a well and eating the bread provided him. He learned how to trust God. He learned how to hear God. He learned how to let go of his own strength because God has strength. He learned how to lead sheep through the back back side of the desert for 40 years. Why? Well, there's a whole nation of sheep. He's got to go in with a message of deliverance and bring them out and lead them for another 40 years. God had to prove to Moses, you have no strength in and of yourself. You can't do it. You need me. And as you survive this next 40 years in the wilderness, what I want you to do then is take that message that you need me to these people, tell them that they need me, and show them through the wilderness for another 40 years, how do you follow God in the wilderness? How do you keep walking with him when it's tough? How do you survive when the supplies are limited? You keep going back to the well, and you keep eating that bread that's provided. And you recognize you don't belong here. This is not the end of your journey. Let's keep going because God's got more for us. He's got somewhere else to go. He's got more steps for us. We've got more obedience for us to take. He's got more growth for you. Oh, and it's going to require a lot of patience. Moses, I proved it to you. You have nothing. You you proved to yourself you have nothing. So I took you and put you in the wilderness for 40 years to prove you I have everything And now you've got a mission. Let's go do it. Israel needs you only because I'm going to speak through you and I'm going to move through you and it's going to be my hand, not yours. What an incredible, simple, yet applicable message. In the wilderness, Moses became everything God needed him to become because Moses realized that God was everything he needed. So as we wrap up, if you're here at FBC and you know, we talked about personal discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, if you're going through that and you're just getting started in this process, you know what you need? You need to recognize that you need to find a Moses who's been there, who's been in the wilderness and can trust God and is proving, hey, God, God got me through a lot of stuff. Stick with me. We'll get through a lot of stuff together as we depend on the Lord together. Find yourself a Moses. If you're in a position of leadership, stop running from difficulty. Don't back away from it. Let God work. He's trying to help you to help somebody else. And if you don't let him work, how are you going to help that next person? Don't flee from the difficulty. Don't flee from the stress. Don't flee from the burden. God's going to use it. I want to end with a verse that's from the beginning of Moses' story, and it it 
It explains for us where he got his name, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. And, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. His, his name means drawn out. His name means rescued. Maybe, maybe there's something to Moses and that being his name, drawn out and rescued. Maybe there's a connection to why he knew what he was supposed to do. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't lay that out, but if your name is drawn out and rescued and you see some people that need to be drawn out and rescued and you happen to have all kinds of ability in and of yourself to do it, maybe that's what motivated him. I don't know. The interesting thing is he began this story or his story began by being rescued. God turns his life's purpose into rescue. To draw Israel out of bondage. To show them that's not the end of the path. That's just how we get started, right? God rescued Israel out of Egypt, not just to rescue them, but to get them into a place of promise, into a place of blessing. In between rescue and promise lies the wilderness. There's no shortcuts. There's no getting there in your power. There's no you know, blazing your own trail and deciding how this thing's gonna go. You have to follow God's plan. And he has a legitimate plan, and, and this is a good church that understands that plan. And wherever you find yourself, you ought to make sure that you find yourself on that path. And, and find yourself looking for a Moses or looking to be a Moses and letting God do what he needs to do in your heart and in your life so that others can keep growing also. This is what I'm preaching to myself. We've got a crazy schedule and I don't have the ability to keep up with it. Just today alone, I'm preaching to myself so that tonight I can go apply that, that, that God will, will use his power and his word for his people to continue forward and trust what he's doing. Thank you all for having us. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're, we're here today. We're, we're, we're more than thankful. We're, we're so honored and humbled and pleased just that you would have these stories preserved for us so that we could look at the life of Moses and recognize you are a God who wastes nothing. You won't waste the difficulties in our life if we just trust you with it. If we just trust that, okay, I don't know how to deal with authorities in my life, but God's my ultimate authority, and he's placed these others in, in front of me. I'm going to trust beyond them, and I'm going to trust him. We're thankful, Lord, that, that you've given us men and women to lead us, to help us to understand men and women who you've, you've already proven, too, that you have all the power and we have none. That the strength is in you, it's in your word, it's not in our hands, it's not in our wisdom, Everything we need, it comes from you. I'm thankful for First Baptist Church and, and all of the years of investment that has poured into me and my family so that I can take the wilderness experience that I've gone through and I can bring others. 
Lord, I pray that this church and Northside both would just continue to be those types of churches. We continue beyond this generation because we just understand this is not the end of it. We're strangers here. There's more to do. There's further to go. We trust you. We love you. We thank you again for for your plan in its perfection to use imperfect people like us. In Jesus' name, amen.